Harris Valley, Pennsylvania, 1898. Midnight. The muted thunder of wagon wheels wakes me from shallow sleep. Outside my darkened window, the clop and hard breath of horses. A rattling wagon pulls close to the house, then slows, then stops. Men's raised voices group together, then fall apart. Disappointment veiled by revelry and drink. I hear mother in the kitchen, dividing my attention. I throw off the blanket and run barefoot to the window. Cold air pushes through thin glass, and I shiver. Father's inky silhouette stands in the narrow lane, one arm raised. He cries out, and now distant voices reply. His arm drops to his side. He turns toward the house and appears to stumble, then catch himself. The long black line of the rifle cradled in his arms points skyward. Pots clatter from the kitchen, and I run to the door that separates my room from the living area. This includes a sitting space, a dining area, and kitchen. Our whole world is but three rooms and a pair of outhouses, a world held together by warped wooden planks and warmed by a rusted black stove that eats coal faster than we can fill it. I'm lucky to have my own room, even if it's small. Though I'm little, I'm not able to take three large steps in any direction. Father says I'm a runt, but mother says a nine-year-old boy has room to grow. I hope to get big, but not so big I can't fit into my room. I like it too much. I see more clearly now because mother has lit the kitchen lanterns. There's enough space between my bedroom door and the frame to stick a finger, so light comes through easy, coats the dark walls and disrupts the shadows in the corners and beneath my bed. I step softly to the door. It wouldn't do for them to know I'm up, and put my eye to the gap. If I swivel my head, I can see the entire kitchen and the dining room table, but not much else. I'm cold in nothing but long johns, but want to hear about the trip. Mother has the stove going, and I smell the warming onion soup she'd taken from the icebox. She puts on a kettle for coffee. Father slams the door, and the house rattles. Mother wipes her hands on her apron in a way that she does when she's upset, like she's wringing it dry. Father enters my field of vision, all beard and worn leather. A beat-to-hell Stetson wedged over black hair. He pulls out a chair, sits heavily. The rifle butt clunks against the floor, and he looks at the old Winchester, as if willing it to speak. Nothing, mother says. Nothing at all? Father waits for the gun to answer, but it stays silent. I'll have what's in the pot, sissy, and some coffee. It's heatin' she says, stirring. She keeps her eye on the stove, off my father. You've been drinking. I inspect him more closely for signs of drunkenness, wondering what my mother sees that makes it apparent, but nothing stands out. He looks tired and wronged, but that's his natural state. Sheriff is shooting poachers, lands dry. Father shakes his head. He takes off the Stetson, sets it on the table. He still holds the rifle. I want to open the door and go to him. Sit with him and talk like men about the sheriff and the land. 
the kettle starts to whistle. What are we going to do, Jack? The garden can provide some, but we need meat. Winter's coming. Father runs a hand through his long hair. Please, he says. And I tremble at his voice as well as the cold. Shut up, sissy. Just shut up and bring me some coffee. I will my mother to stop, to leave him be. She knows what he's like. I close my eyes for a moment and silently pray. Then I watch. The kettle is screaming, and I know if I hadn't been awake already, I would be now. The house is filled with the high-pitched shriek of rushing steam. I see. I see, mother says. <laughs>